once we receive Christ, then the Lord depends upon us to be outreach-minded and share the good news. This church in the last 14 years has seen 134,000 conversions worldwide just out of this ministry. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise? Amen? That's a big deal. So uh, on January 26th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to preach to 2 million people in five continents live online. And uh, the last two times I did that, we reached between ten and 30,000 people for the Lord. And so pray with us that that will go well as well. Uh, we pay down medical debt. We just do all kind of things. So um, we thank you. And, and so uh, when I was preparing for this message series back in October, I just felt like uh, us talking about what we're core to, what's important in our life. And it's amazing how God will set things up for you uh, when you do things. And so in my prayer time, I was uh, Wednesday. Ah, what a killer service we had Wednesday night, too. What a great job, honey, on the just the worship. It was just, it was off the charts. It was just worship and a word, worship and a word, worship and a word, and just walked away, just dripping with the presence of God. It was just really, really good. Uh, and we will do much, much more of that. Uh, but I was out front of the downtown campus uh, sweeping. The entryways there are like a vacuum for leaves. They just suck the leaves in. So I was sweeping out the, the leaves, and uh, one of the neighbors was sweeping their leaves out as well. And they said, oh, you have service tonight? I said, yeah, we do. And they were like, oh, because apparently we're kind of loud in some of our expressive worship. And uh, they do, uh, they were having something that night. And so uh, she was saying, oh, I go to such and such a church. Said, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. She said, how's your church doing? I said, we're doing pretty good. You know, we got some people that still are a little cautious of the virus, and we respect that. We're just trying to do our part. We have this campus, and we have campus over at Lake Hickory. We call it Lake Hickory Campus. So I'll explain a little thing, just kind of back and forth. So, oh, you're one of those churches. And I'm like, I don't know what those churches are. <laughs> I'm not sure if that those is a good thing or those is a bad thing. And I didn't really, I wasn't in a debating mood. Sometimes I get honorary and I'm in a debating mood. That was not one of those nights. I just wanted to sweep the leaves and go in. And uh, so she said she was a believer, and she went to a church that was a remnant church. And I said, I, that's, I'm not sure what a remnant church is. And so she was trying to explain to me that they were just, they were praying for all of us. <laughs> and while I appreciate prayer, uh, I thought I took it in the wrong light, so I just said, you know, God bless you. And I thought, you know, remnant is such an Old Testament word. Uh, and I think there's a people out there that are misguided a little bit in the fact that they're remnant and we're not. And so I wanted to just to touch base a little bit because it leads into what I believe God has for us today as part of our core, worship that when Jesus came and died on the cross, he died for everybody, okay? And just, you have to accept, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so uh, in looking up just the word remnant, 86 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament, and, and, and six times 
in the New Testament. So it's truly an Old Testament word. And the fact that it's an Old Testament word does talk about the remnant, that God needed a remnant out of Israel to hold steady so that the Savior could come out of Israel, come out of that, that lineage, okay? And so there had to always be a remnant. And there was always a remnant that stayed steadfast. In the New Testament, when it talks about the word remnant, one time it's just a point of reference, Two times, it's quoting Isaiah about the remnant, and then three times, it's written in the book of Revelations, but the proper terminology would be rest, and the rest of them, not the remnant of them. And so, it's an Old Testament word. The reason it's an Old Testament is because of that remnant that needed to take place. The New Testament style would be only in reference to the Old Testament. Why is that? Because the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross was for a movement. He started and instituted a global entity called the church. And the church, in its proper respect, if it does things right and doesn't come across super judgmental, but comes across with super grace and love so that truth can be taught, gathers people in so they too can be part of this kingdom we call the kingdom of God. That's what the church is supposed to be, be doing, right? And so when we start to point things out like you don't have it, I do, or us four and no more, or we're part of the remnant and we have all the revelation, then it becomes an elitist group. And we don't, we don't want to be a part of an elitist group because Jesus Christ came for everybody, all people. That's why our church slogan is Grace Church for all people. Now, if we're all people and we're in it together, we're going to learn from each other. We're even going to teach each other. We may even challenge each other, but we're in it for all people all together. Amen? Can you give the Lord just a shout of praise? Because he came for all of us, okay? It would be disheartening if all of a sudden, well, you know, Henry, I'm sorry. You, you, you ain't making it, buddy. <laughs> I mean, Who's to say, right? And no, if, if Henry calls on the Lord, which he has, and he loves God, which he does, he's on the other side, right? His name's written down in the good book. So uh, that being said, the book of Zephaniah, we're going to learn how to worship today, okay? We're going to learn that worship is a war. Worship is a battle, but in your battle, you can also have blessings, and in your blessings, you may also have battles. This is important to know. We sing it every week, and we do such a great job in our worship that I want you to know that no matter if you are 8 or 80, if you're uh, young and strong or old and lean and mean or a little bit ornery, you are a warrior in the camp of Jesus Christ. You are to make war on Sunday mornings, and even through the week. When you put your worship on or your praise on, you need to know that you're getting ready to do battle so that not only you, but others around you might be free in Jesus' name. And that's what we're called to do is to worship. So Zephaniah is both a prophet and he's a poet. So he writes kind of in poetry. But in the book of Zephaniah, it says, on the day of the Lord. And it says it seven times more than any other book of the Bible. So there's 66 books of the Bible. Zephaniah is one of the smaller ones, 53 verses total and seven times. So one in almost every seven verses, he says, on the day of the Lord, on the day of the Lord. This is where some people get, well, this is the remnant because this is the day of the Lord. And the lady I was talking to the other day while we were sweeping out our intuition says, you know, the end time's here. It's coming. Truly it is. We believe that, but we're not uh, gloom and doomers. And I'll tell you why. When the Holy Spirit was dispatched and actually, 
Acts, the second chapter, that started the end times. That's when the end times started, right there. And Jesus could have and could come back anytime he wants. Well, we're, are we closer to the day of the Lord? We are closer to the day of the Lord, but this isn't what the day of the Lord was talking about, the end times. The day of the Lord was talking about redemptive times. We are in redemptive times right now so that those people who need Jesus, we can see them redeemed so that we share the good news with them. Are you with me? This is important, again, to know because what, once we forgive, that we too are sinners saved by grace, we can't minister to other people. We start to look down on them. And that's called legalism and self-righteousness. That's pride and arrogance and along with ignorance, okay? And so, we're, so Zephaniah says, and on that day, the day of the Lord, and on the day of the Lord, again, seven times, he's talking about turning people who don't know Christ into worshiping Christ so that they can come to know him and gather others around. So we're going to read out of Zephaniah. Your battle will become a worship, and your worship will become a warfare. And we're going to read, let's go ahead, we can leave it up there, read Zephaniah 3.9. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. What day, what time? The day of the Lord. What is that? It's not the end times. It's this age that we call grace, where people can receive Christ. They're going to receive a pure speech. The pure speech is a pureness of heart in which we can learn how to worship. That all of them may call upon the name of the Lord. Doesn't sound to me like a remnant. Sounds to me like a revelation and a movement. And serve him with one accord. Why is that? Because we're in this thing together. There's not one person better than another person. Verse number 10 then says, from beyond the rivers of Cush. Cush was the grandson of Noah very rich, very wealthy in the land, had a lot of resources. What the Bible here is telling us in Zephaniah's poetry is saying, hey, if you're, if you're a Christ child, you are rich, maybe not in material things, okay, but you are rich in spiritual things. Like you have access to the throne room of grace through Jesus Christ. You can now talk to the creator of the universe, God, okay? And he says, from the throne room or beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, that's you. This is what we're learning about today is we're, we're worshipers. Like God's called us to be worshipers. This is why it's one of our core traits because we want a church that knows how to worship God. And I'll tell you why, because we're going to free up some things here in a little bit. The daughter of my dispersed ones. Again, same thing he's writing in poetry about when Jesus says that he calls us to go into the highways and the byways. Go and teach. Make disciples. Those are the dispersed ones. They shall bring my offering. Again, it could be, and maybe he's talking about us bringing a tithe to the storehouse, but more so importantly, it's talking about us when we come on Sunday, the worship leader doesn't have to get his jacked up, we actually are jacking up the worship leader. Like, we're, we're coming in ready to worship. You know, sometimes when you go work out, like, you're ready to work out, and sometimes you go work out, it's like, man, I don't want to be here. Let me buy a protein, protein drink and just leave and say I went to the gym. Right? Like, I'm good. Or some of you go and tan. Yeah, I went to the gym. Did you work out? No, I tanned, but I went to the gym. I went to church. Did you work out? No, I, I mean, did you worship? No, I got a donut and some free coffee, but man, I, it was good. I, I even got double donuts. Yeah, they, no donuts today. They asked me, do you want donuts? So, no, let's just lay back. Let's lay low today. Let's see how hungry they can be without. I noticed the worship was down a little bit because we didn't have sugar in us. Next week, we'll just hand out a bunch of Red Bulls. Get you all fired up. 
Hear me, church. We're called to worship, right? And in our worship, there can be both battles and there can be both blessings. We can learn both. We can be, it's not, it doesn't even have to be either or. And we kind of think that way. That usually true, it's true that way. But sometimes it's both and. Well, I'm in a battle. God will bless me with his presence. And while I'm in a blessing, he'll get me through a battle. So it may be both and. You might be in the worst battle of your life. I'm going to teach you how to worship your way out of it. You might be in the greatest blessing of your whole life. I'm going to teach you that your worship can free other people out of their battle. Because if we're in a battle and a blessing, as long as we're in, a, in it for worship, and we come worshiping ready on a Sunday morning, like my hands are up, I'm, I'm ready to go, my heart is pure, and I'm just going to throw praises God's way. It's going to be a win for the kingdom of God. It's going to be a win for you, and you're going to totally free people up that maybe have no idea that they're caught in bondage of some sort or another. And so when we look at this, the next 14 through 20, we'll read at the end so I can give you the dialogue. There's battles and then there's blessings. There's battles and then there's blessings. There's battles and then there's blessings. There's battles and there's blessings. You have to know that because part of it is on us. Part of it's on God. The first battle is God asks us to sing aloud. Go ahead and just sing aloud. Now, some of you are like me. You're not very good singers. Everybody's looking around. Who's he talking about? <laughs> but the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So that frees us up, right? Like we all sing good in the shower. We all sing good in our car with the radio cranked up. I am the best singer in the world on my riding lawnmower. I am the, and Janie will come out and ask me to quiet down. I sing over the mower, I sing over the neighborhood, I sing over everything, and she's, ah, she's waving me, and I wave back. She's like, no, come here. What? You are singing so loud, honey, it's horrible. Would you please stop? So I'll tone it down, but I ain't stopping. Sing aloud, Zephaniah 3, verse 14 says, sing aloud. So this is part of our battle cry. We're told to sing aloud. Next of all, we're told to shout. We're supposed to shout with a loud voice. This is another battle cry to shout. Can we just give God two, two seconds of praise for a moment? Can we just shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph? Just express your gratitude to him. See, we're supposed to shout. It doesn't make sense. You know, we, we shout at football games or basketball games. We shout at friends or enemies. We shout at people. We shout at people. Oh, by the way, uh, New Year's Resolution, I haven't honked anybody this week. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Almost did. I almost did one day. And if my horn would have been more sensitive, it would have gone off. But I think I missed and hit the part of it. And so Janie said, oh, I was hope, so hoping you would have honked that horn. I was going to tell everybody at church. The Lord saved me on that. Haven't honked my horn. If you shout at somebody at a red light, if you're shouting somebody at your car, can't we shout to the Lord? I mean, can't we shout to the Lord a voice of triumph? Can't we give praises to God? See, when we learn how to shout, Joshua, and it didn't make sense because God doesn't always make sense because he works in the infinite. We work in the finite. God tells Joshua, walk around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days. On the seventh day, walk around seven times. And at the very end, I want you just to shout to the Lord and the walls come tumbling down. We sang it this morning. When we shout, the walls will come down. And so Zephaniah is telling us by the voice of God through his prophetic uh, prophecy that we have to shout to 
to the Lord. And Gideon, it didn't make sense. His army went from 30,000 to 300. But if you stand on the hill with a jar and you break that jar and you shout, then that Midianite army, which is bigger than yours, is going to run into each other and they're going to die. And that's how the enemy flees when you decide, I'm going to shout to the Lord. I'm going to raise a voice of triumph for my God. I'm going to shout. It doesn't make sense because God doesn't make sense. But then he says, rejoice, all you people. Number three, the third battle, rejoice with all your heart. And so now this is the praise part. So now I'm worshiping. I'm loving God. I'm trying. Listen, I've come from a mainline domination where it wasn't uh, typical that we would, we would do those things, okay? It wasn't typical that we would uh, sing really loud. It wasn't typical that we would raise our hands. It wasn't typical that we would bow down. And our worship leaders on Wednesdays are going to teach us some of those things, why we do it. And they're going to go more in depth. This is why we do it. This is the reason behind it. But we rejoice in with all our hearts. So I've come out of that area that maybe you are like, hey, pastor, this is all really new to us. It's okay. It's been new to many of us. It was new to me at one time, and I didn't know how to sing, and I didn't know how to shout, but I knew how to rejoice. And if something, God does something, it's easy for us to praise God. And the fact is we should praise God before that thing comes to pass because that's part of our battle. When, we, when we're fighting, we don't fight with these weapons so much, and I'll explain what we do in part, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal to the pulling down of strongholds, Paul says. We put on spiritual weapons, but we use our physical weapons to some extent. And if we do these things, sing aloud, shout rejoice with all your heart, then there's some blessings that follow. The Lord takes away all judgment against you. All of a sudden now, I come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I Except that he is the Lord of my life, I decide I'm going to come into a worship service and just start to sing and praise God, and now he starts to take away judgments from me. It's like if you had to go to court, man, you just want to plead the court's mercy, and all of a sudden you show up, and the, and the judge or the attorney says, hey, we wrote it off, no big deal. That's what God does with all your sins. He just throws them away. He removes all judgment. He clears away your enemies, number two. He takes away not the enemy in person, but the enemy in spirit. And maybe sometimes in person as well. But he'll remove that spirit and that enemy spirit that keeps dogging at you or keep attacking you or keeps piercing you or throwing uh, fiery darts at you. He keeps throwing things at you. He'll start to take away those enemies. Why? Because you get into an element and a spirit of worship. Those things, all of a sudden, they don't bother you anymore. You're in touch with God. The king, he is in your midst and he is ready to save. He brings salvation. He's mighty to save, the scripture says. So now the king is in your midst. He's in your presence, okay? He's in the presence, and then you become in the presence of God. So you have, uh, maybe you're new to church in general. Maybe you're new to Grace Church specifically, and you get into that realm, and, and it's like, man, I just never felt like this before. We would say it's the presence of God, where two or three gather together in his name. There is he in the middle of of them in the midst of them and when we honor God with our worship and our praise when we honor God with our thanksgiving when we honor God with our first fruit and our tithe and offering when we honor God by speaking his word and proclamation and declaration when we honor God that way he comes in and he hovers around he's here he's here and so some people don't know that and I will also say be careful that you don't take God's presence for granted we become very consumeristic rather than opportunistic 
We need to know that God's presence is here. And so, okay, God, you're here. Lord, I, I need to worship you. God, I need to get into that presence. God, I need to, to get to know you. He is in the midst. That's one of his promises. And you shall never, number four, never fear evil again. That's solid. That's a, that's a strong promise from God. And this is found in Zephaniah, the third chapter, verses 14 through 20. You shall never fear evil again. Like the, these things that maybe have happened or maybe this past or maybe different things, areas in your life, I don't have to fear that because I'm in God's presence. It's like a big comfy blanket. You know, it's just like a throw pillow. It's just so, it's a way to cover up next to a, a fire. All of a sudden, God just comforts you with his love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have a battle. We sing. We shout. We rejoice. And then we have a blessing from it. So we're battling in the spiritual realm, and God's blessing us then in the physical realm. Let me give you another battle. Let not your hands grow weak. Let not your hands grow weak. So now he's talking about actual physical training. And this is one of the reasons why we throw our hands up. David said we prepare our, our fingers even for war. And so you see our wonderful musicians up here, Foltz on the drums and, and Brian on the guitar and Andrew on, on the acoustic and Henry on the bass and uh, Lisa on the keyboard. And, and they're playing the, and the band is singing and the singers are, are singing. And all of a sudden we're making war and the, and the worship leader says, hey, let's clap this thing out. I'm not going to clap. That's stupid. No what she's doing is trying to make you make war so that you can see freedom over your life, over your family's life, over your friend's life, over your community life, over your work life, over every piece. People wonder why it's working out for you because you've learned how to worship. You've learned how to make war with your weapons. And then I, would, I, would, I like to say these are weapons of warfare. This is, these are things like when they're playing the drums or they're playing the guitar, I don't look at them as musical instruments. I look at them as these guys are making war on my behalf. They're, they're strumming that guitar. They're playing that bass. They're, they're hitting that keyboard and the drums. and They're, they're helping me engage in war. Like they, this is the artillery. And all I got to do in the infantry, I got to throw my hands up and decide I'm going to worship God with everything in me. I learned that a long time ago, and trust me, church, it is very freeing. It is very, very, very freeing when you decide, man, that so this is like Aaron and her when Moses in the 17th chapter of Exodus uh, sent Joshua into battle, and Moses was sitting up, and it was every time Moses raised his hands up, Joshua was winning the battle. And every time he'd get tired and put his hands down, Joshua would start to lose the battle. So Aaron got on one side, her got on the other, and they raised Moses' hands up. This is a picture of us today. We raise our hands up to God, okay? Moses is a type of God in this particular case. We raise our hands up to God. Joshua is a type of Christ where now Jesus fights our battles for us just because we lift our hands up in praise and worship. He says, don't let your hands grow weak. This is a real thing where if I can just learn how to just praise God, and again, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable people. They're not, they're not raised in charismatic or evangelical or Pentecostal type realm. They're, they're used to maybe just putting their, first time they came into a Pentecostal church, I had white-knuckled the pew in front of me. It's like, uh, these guys are crazy. <laughs> and then I did the right and proper thing. Where's the door? <laughs> how many barricades do I have between here and the door? Like, how many people do I have to run over to get out of this place? 
And then I started to feel the presence of God. And I didn't lift my hands like the first week or month. It took me quite a while. It may take you quite a while. But I want to encourage you that as the Lord wills and as your spirit draws, just raise your hands up and say, God, I am yours 100%. Because if you don't let your hands grow weak, then here's some of the blessings. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Now listen, this is God Almighty. Like, this is the creator of the universe. This is God who you think maybe has a black robe on and a gavel and he's mean. No, this is the happy father. This is, a, this is the joyful father. This is the father who looks down and says, that's my beloved son or daughter. That's my child. Our, uh, my wife has a picture of, of uh, our only granddaughter on her phone. She changes. Sometimes she has them all. Sometimes she has different ones. So this particular one, she has Sayla, our soon-to-be five-year-old granddaughter, in a blue princess dress. And she's kind of sitting there looking. And Sayla grabbed Janie's phone the other day and said, oh, that's a beautiful princess. She's talking about herself. Oh, that's a beautiful princess. Just shaking her head. Oh, that's a beautiful princess. And, and we laugh at it. Every time we pick up her phone, it's, oh, that's a beautiful princess, and we laugh. I wonder if God looks down at you and says, oh, that's a beautiful son or daughter. Look at him or her worshiping the Father. Look at them reminding me of who I am. In fact, I think I'm just going to go ahead and rejoice over them with gladness. And when you have gladness, you have favor. And when you have favor, you have blessing. Now, we don't serve God because of the blessings. We serve God because he's already blessed us with salvation. But God has so much more in our forest, in our life, that if we just learn how to worship him, all of a sudden he starts to pour back over us. In fact, he says this too, he will quiet you by his love. So now he's, he's, if we don't let our hands grow weak, in other words, if we don't refuse to give him worship, if we don't refuse to give him praise and honor and glory, if we don't refuse to do that, if, we, if, we, if we're not too tired, you know, we could play 18 holes of golf yesterday and hike six and a half miles in the mountains, we can run a half marathon, and, but I'm just a little tired to make it to church on Sunday. If they don't have donuts next week, I ain't going. I'm just telling you right now. They better have donuts in that place. So, listen, if we could just come in and worship God for the holiness that he is, church, I'm telling you, look out. It will just be amazing. God will just, he'll calm you with his presence. Now let's look at, a, at another battle, this battle. He will exalt over you with loud singing. He will exalt over you. Now, now notice the shift. The first two battles are ours. He wants us to sing. He wants us to shout. He wants us to rejoice. He wants our hands not to grow weak. He wants us to use these weapons of warfare to praise God and to, and to clap and to sing. But then he will exalt over you with singing. Now he's starting to take notice. Now he's, in fact, I think in my mind, he's standing up. He said, look at that. Look at that person down there. Look at that, that person that came to church ready to worship. Look at that person who's going through these battles that nobody even knows about. Maybe a, a diagnosis or maybe a relationship or maybe something that only you know about in the dark of the night and you're coming to church and you decide, I'm going to worship my God anyways. I'm going to worship him no matter what happens, no matter how the outcome is. My God is worthy to be praised and I'm going to throw my hands up and worship. Now all of a sudden God Almighty stands and takes notice and he starts to sing right back over you. 
Think about that for a moment. He's singing over you. And not only is he singing, in my mind, he's standing up on the throne room and he's walking like he's getting a little bit better picture. Like he's starting to think, wow, those guys are really worshiping. And all of a sudden, he's getting in the flow with you and he's starting to dance with you. And I don't know how good God dances. I'm guessing he dances better than anybody else. But this true translation will be, he will exalt over you with loud singing and dancing. So now he dances over you. And only does he dance over you, he dances over your problem. And only sings over you, he sings over your relationships. He sings over your finances. He sings over every part of you. And you think, wow, so, because it's changed. Now, we entered into the battle, but God's like, hey, you, I don't, you don't need to walk this battle alone. I'm going to be with you in this battle. We're in this battle together. Now we're partners. And trust me on this, you and God are an army. You don't need anybody else. You and God are already an army. So then he moves on. He says, but with the blessing, he will gather those that mourn. And this is why I don't believe it's a remnant. I believe it's a revelation. I believe that the remnant is good, but the remnant was Old Testament. Now we're an army. Now we're a warriors. Now we're a movement. The, the, the church that God created through his son, Jesus Christ. So now we're to gather those that mourn. And you say, hey, hey, maybe you're having a bad day. Or maybe you're having a bad week. Maybe you're having a bad year. Why don't you come to church? Let's put our worship on. And you're going to feel and sense something that you've never sensed before because we call it the presence of God. Number two, you will no longer suffer reproach or shame because the system that we live in causes people to be shameful, causes people to be embarrassed, causes people, and churches buy into that. And they say, well, you need to do this and this and this, and all of a sudden you, gotta, you can't do that, that, and that, so I must not be any good. God's asking you this morning, would you just give me your worship and let me figure everything else out? Would you just give me your praise and I'll figure, and we'll help figure everything out. But you don't have to suffer that reproach because God's bringing people in. God's bringing all types of people in. Then he says, he will save the lame and gather the outcasts. Again, this sounds more like revival than it does a remnant. Sounds to me like God's working because Christ died on the cross and he died for all people and he loves all people. He wants all people to worship him. He wants all people to praise him. He wants all people to be thankful to him and for him so that we together can give up a shout for the Lord. We together can allow God to fight our battles with us. He's already won the victory. So he saves the lame. He gathers the outcasts. Again, he goes to the highways and the byways, the hedges, and he, he looks at people and he, God tells us through Christ to occupy till he comes to go out and labor and to work. But he wants our worship. He wants our fellowship. He wants our time. And so there's one more battle than he says he'll fight for us. He says, I will deal with the oppressors. And at first you kind of think, well, yeah, those are people that just kind of get me down. No, he, he's talking about a spirit here of oppression. I will deal. Why will it? I will change their shame into praise. I will change their shame into praise. The society doesn't love them. The people hate them. They, they know your past and nobody cares. They don't care about you anymore, but all of a sudden God does. Why? Because you've entered into a time of worship. He's going to change your shame into praise. He's going to recognize who you are. You're going to be the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, the lender and not the borrower. Number two, I will bring you in and gather you together. Now all of a sudden there's family. 
We talk about community. It's one of our core four. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. We all are in this thing together. We have to look out for each other. Why? Because we're in one accord. We're in one agreement. And I will bring you in and gather you together. You're part of the harvest of Christ. Number three, I will make you renowned among all people of the earth. And again, this is partly Israel becoming renowned. But now it's the church. And the church does replace Israel, but we're in partnership with Israel. And we pray for those Israelites who haven't accepted Christ yet. But I will make you renowned among all the people of the earth. The church, when it becomes the full authority of Christ that it has, and the fact that it can worship now, and it can, and it can preach and teach the word alive, it can pray for others, becomes the most powerful entity in the world. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is backing it. And when you understand what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives, in our church, in our community, through our worship, it's easy to throw our hands up and learn how to praise God. And then last but not least, I will restore your fortunes before your eyes. King James says, I will undo everything that was done to you. So what's he saying? Those things that the enemy took away from you, those years that were lost, God will give back. Those things that were lost, God will give back. Those hurts that were, that were broken in your spirit, he will mend them and he'll give them back. He'll give those things back. Come on back, worship team. He will take care of you in, in your lost time. He will look out for you. He will pour his love on you. He will cherish you and he will walk with you. He will pour his love out on you. This, this, is, uh, this is why Grace Church worships. Because it's a freeing experience. Psalms 110 says this, that our worship will give us wisdom in the Lord. That if we don't know what to do, but we just decide we're just going to start worshiping. Hey, I'm just going to start praising God. I'm just going to start worshiping God. I don't know what else to do. I don't even know what to do. I have no idea what to do in this case. I'm just going to put some worship music on. I'm going to get in a worship service. I'm going to get to church. I'm just going to start worshiping God. All of a sudden, wisdom starts to impart. Stand with me this morning right where you're at. And if you're just, just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. We're not going to ask for a show of hands or anything. Just close your eyes. Just meditate on the Lord. And maybe there's something in your life that you just want to, you need to worship. We're going to sing a, a song just even about battle right now. I mean, maybe you're going through a battle or maybe you're going through a blessing and maybe you're like, man, I just don't, I feel like it's, I don't have to. I think that's when you need to battle the most because you're battling for other people and you're in the middle of the battle. I preached a few weeks ago, maybe we'll worship while you're weeping, while, while you're battling. But when you battle those first things, those first three things, I'm going to sing, I'm going to shout, and then I'm going to uh, rejoice, but I'm not going to let these hands grow weary. I'm going to I'm going to clap. I'm going to raise them. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make warfare today because there's friends of mine that are sick, and there's friends of mine that need to overcome. There's friends of mine that need a breakthrough. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or addictions, or maybe there's things that there's parents that are nervous about their chi- their children or or their child, or, or I need to make warfare. And I know who who I can make warfare with because then God decides He's going to partner with me because that's His promise. And when 
he does, now he gathers in the outcasts. He gathers in the lame. He gathers in the broken heart. He starts to free up people. And we're going to do that in just a moment. So if you're comfortable doing so, maybe if you, even if you're not comfortable, I'm asking you to raise your hands for a moment. Just raise them towards heaven like Janie's doing right here. And just raise them up. We're going to sing a song. I want you to worship during this song. But I want you to know you're just not singing words on a page or a wall. You're making warfare today. You're freeing people up and yourself. You're going to be freed up. So, Father, we pray you, you receive our worship right here and right now. Lord, as we're worshiping, as we're shouting, as we're rejoicing, as we're praising God, but you do battle with us for freedom and hickory, for freedom against people who are sick, for freedom who, who are people who are being attacked by evil presence and desires. God, we speak freedom right now, and we speak life through our worship right here and right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship together, church. Come on.
to start singing. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a place where you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You just start singing. And you say, I don't know what words to sing. I don't know the name of the song. You can just start saying, Jesus, I worship you, Jesus, I worship you. Whatever you want to say, just begin to say his name. And this week when you're going through a trial or a situation where you're just heavy, because sometimes you have something on your heart and it, you might be totally great and everything might just be so wonderful in your life. But you just feel this heaviness come on you and you think, I don't know what that's about. The Holy Spirit may be putting something on you to pray for somebody else because maybe they're in the middle of something hard or a trial that's coming and you just start singing praises and you will find out that, wow, I was going through something, but boy, it just lifted and then I was fine because you began to do the spiritual warfare that pastor is talking about. You began to lift them up because I was talking to my friend this morning, Amanda, we were talking to just there is so much power in worship if we could just grip if we could just understand what happens in the spirit realm when we begin to worship we begin to lift up his his name we just start saying jesus the things in the atmosphere change we know that that just when you say the name of jesus hell begins to shake demons and just begin to get nervous because there's such authority such power just by saying jesus 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 everything begins to just rumble a little bit because that's the authority that's been given to every one of us
Spirit such a gift and such a, a power. They're seeing miracles happen, and they're praying every morning, they're fasting, and they're seeking God. So the Bible says you have not because you haven't asked. And so if you're going through something this morning, as I'm going to close first, and then as we leave, you feel free just to come up and have them agree with you. The Bible says if two or three would agree as touching anything, there I am to meet that need. There is power in laying on in the hand, the Bible says, to lay hands and agree and to see miracles. So if you have some something this morning, you say, boy, I wish they would have opened the altars. I just I really needed prayer for me or I needed prayer for a friend. I needed the agreement. I needed a healing. Whatever it is, we're gonna. is, I'm going to dismiss and then I just invite you to feel free just to come on up. Worship will just keep going and, and y'all can just be dismissed and have a wonderful day and they're just going to pray with you. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. I pray you watch over each and every person, Lord, at the sound of my voice. Those that are dealing with sickness in their body right now, we pray a protection, a shield, a favor, a hedge around them. Just, just Lord, like a fence. Just put it around that the enemy can't come in, that you would just shield them. You would protect them from this sickness that is, is um, so rapid right now. We just pray against that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those that are going through situations that you are healing, that you are delivering, you are setting free. We love you. We bless you. We are so ready for a move of your spirit. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. We are ready. And we love you and we bless you. Go with each one in Jesus' name. Amen. We love y'all so much. Have an awesome week. If you want prayer, just come on up. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.